Hello and welcome to this vidcast which is devoted to New Bank, a Brazilian fintech which is currently significantly shaking a very local oligopoly in the banking industry. A few dates to start with. The story starts in 2012. Sequoia Capital, the very well-known investment firm, is opening an office in Sao Paulo. David Velez, former student at Stanford University in engineering, is in charge. For Sequoia, it's going to be a failure. One year later, the office is closing, but David Velez stays in Sao Paulo and creates new holding with the first modest financing round of $2 million and the first co-founder, Edward Weibel, as a chief technology officer. Very quickly, Christina Junquera is going to join the team as a co-founder as well. She is currently the VP for Branding and Business Development. And interestingly, she comes from Itaú, which is the largest private bank in Brazil. So she knows the business quite well. What are the objectives? What is the mission statement of New Bank? shake the Brazilian banking system, which is qualified by The Economist as a cozy oligopoly. In fact, very quiet, fat margins, no competition and an extremely poor quality of service. In addition to that, when you have physical branch offices, locally, there is really a problem of safety for the employees and for the customers. Last but not least, as the region is characterized by significant underbanking, you understand that there is a huge potential. And Nubank is going to say, we have only one very safe branch office. It's a mobile application. So you download the app, you connect, and no reason why you would get to a physical branch office. In addition to that, dear customer, the credit card is free. And if you want to open a bank account, it's free as well. This is why they are going to welcome a very significant number of customers. The symbol of New Bank is its purple credit card, created with MasterCard, by the way, and which is going to be free and huge access to the banking system for a number of people. Now, they don't offer only the credit card. Says There are five financial seasons in the life of a person. First, you want to have some possibility to spend the money, means for payment. You want savings. You want a saving account. You want to invest, have access to capital markets, to the bond market, to equity market. You want to have access to insurance to protect yourself. And you want to have access to borrowing. You want to have access to a mortgage if you want to buy a house or leasing if you want to buy your car. And we are going to offer all these products in our markets. Brazil, obviously. Mexico, which is extremely promising in terms of commercial development. And Colombia, David Velez, is a Colombian person. Now, the financing started very modestly and grew at a very high speed. The total amount of money raised by the company is $3.3 billion. The company is created in 2013. In 2018, it becomes a unicorn with a value which exceeds $1 billion. To illustrate that, Tencent, the very well-known Chinese firm, is pouring $180 million in the business in 2018. 90 million cash for the bank itself and 90 million 
cash as secondary market to buy the shares sold by the founding partners. The pre-money valuation, so before the cash input, is 3.9 billion. A year later, in 2019, there is another fundraising for $400 million. The pre-money valuation is no more $4 billion. It's $9.6, almost $10 billion, almost multiplied by $2.5. And the real success of the company is going to show in 2021. Beginning of the year, an additional $400 million on a pre-money valuation, which is now almost $25 billion. Middle of the year, June, 750 million. Pre-money valuation, 29 billion. Out of the 750, 500 million dollars come from Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. He very much trusts the business model. In December, the end of the story for 2021, IPO. As a company is listed for a value of $41 billion, beginning of the year 25, end of the year 41 billion, which is outstanding. In addition to that, Berkshire Hathaway, as a post-IPO funding, is going to add an additional $1 billion in February 2022. So it's an outstanding success, but there's an interesting point, which is to look at the IPO price decision. It's very difficult to evaluate at which price you are going to offer the stocks. And the first estimates were a range of $10 to $11 per share. The final price is going to be $9. If you confront 11 and 9, it's about a $10 billion difference in the valuation. And why did they reduce the price? Because they were observing an extremely difficult experience in India, PayMT, was listed in November, November the 18th at 1,950 Indian rupees. The first closing price is 1,560, and the second closing price is 1,360. So it's a disaster. Then the stock price is going to, with some difficulties, go up to 1,800, less than the IPO price, and today it's down to 750. So Newbank is observing that and says, we can't offer 11. They are going to reduce the range and $9 is going to be the final offer price. It's interesting to confront the pre-money valuation of the company when it raises funds and the number of customers it is announcing at the same time. 2018, you remember the pre-money value was 3.9 billion. How many customers? 5.2 million. Now, if you know how to make a division, you divide one by the other, and you understand that the value of one customer is $750. January 2021, it's a bit lower, 665. Same calculation, of course. Mid of the year, ah, it's a bit better, 700. End of the year, 2021, the IPO in December, 770. So 770 at $9, you imagine how much it would have been at $11. This is why it was probably much more cautious to reduce a little bit the price. Now, later on, what happened? The company is listed at $9. The first days of listing are a success. It goes beyond $11. Then it goes back to 9 and stays at 9 Later on, there is a drop, but there are some questions about tech companies in the stock market. Then it goes up and there is a Warren Buffett effect because as Berkshire Hathaway is 
injecting an additional 1 billion, it adds very much to the credibility of the business model. Then it collapses a little bit and then it's down the last days and weeks, which is probably due to the international events, unfortunately. But now when you compare the evolution of Nubank with the S&P, with the New York Stock Exchange, you understand that during the first weeks there was a quite good correlation between Nubank and the S&P. Then it goes down as opposed to the S&P and goes up again. Then it goes down again and today it goes along with the evolution of the stock market. But from the moment the company was listed, the stock price was down by 34% for new bank. In the meantime, the market went down by only 10%. So there is a real question about the value of the company. But you remember where value comes from. It's performance, because performance and profitability is a one and unique source of value creation. But the value is a combination of growth and profitability and performance. If you first have a look at growth, it's absolutely fascinating to observe two things. First, the evolution of the number of customers. The number of customers grew quietly from the beginning of the company to early 2019. At the beginning of 2019, there are 6 million customers. And then it started skyrocketing to reach today 54 million customers. And it's an acceleration of growth. This acceleration of growth is probably due to a number of reasons, including the outstanding customer satisfaction. The company is publishing its net promoter score. You remember that when the figure is positive, it means that there are more people happy than people disappointed by the quality of service or by the product. When the net promoter score is 90, very close to 100, it means that the customers are extremely satisfied. And when they are satisfied, what do they do? They buy and they buy more. Interestingly, there is a strong momentum, positive momentum, in the evolution of the customers. But they are also going to buy more as a customer, which is a second part of the discussion on profitable growth. What about profitability? A profit is the difference between revenues and costs, which is absolutely not an innovation. Now, if you look at the evolution of the revenues for the company, the revenues are growing not only because there is a growing number of customers, but because the revenue per customer is itself growing. So you have a kind of double leverage effect on the evolution of revenues. More people consuming more individually. That's about revenues. Now, in terms of costs, of course, you have to serve your customers. But when there is a huge growth, you can anticipate that there might be some economies of scale, which you can observe. From 2018, 2019 to today, there is a reduction in the cost. And even in the last quarter, there is a kind of stabilization. You can observe some economies of scale. What is interesting is to try to figure out which cost item is up or down as a percentage to sales. General and administrative expenses, if you look at the last two years, it was representing about 35% to revenues, then it went up, then it went down, and it's stable at 35 If you look at marketing expenses, the company is investing more in the development of its customer base. And this is why the figure is now reaching 5%. But where you can observe real economies of scale is customer support. 
which was representing 19% of sales a couple of years ago, and today it's about 10%. So you understand that they manage their costs and they generate some reasonable economies of scale. And in the meantime, the revenues per customer are skyrocketing. Profit is 4.7 per customer, which is 5.6 in, 0.9 out. Now, if you make 4.7 per quarter per customer, how long does it take? How many quarters of profit does it take to pay the $770 value per customer? You make one divided by the other and you get 192 quarters, which represents 48 euros. That's quite big in terms of payback. Now, of course, it's quite big if you consider that the profit is stable, but if you consider that the profit is growing because the customers are more and more willing to take the services of the company, and for example, you make an assumption of a profit growth of 30% per year, then the payback goes down to 15 euros, which is significantly more realistic and reasonable in terms of valuation. Now, if you go back to stock market values, Today, after a drop in the stock price of New Bank, the value of the company is $36 billion. The company is generating losses, but has something like 45 million customers in the hand. If you take the largest competitors, the private banks in Brazil, Itaú, Unibanco, the company is worth about 30% more, $49 billion. The revenues are 15 times the revenues of New Bank, and the return on equity is, you remember, fat margins. The return on shareholders' equity is 18%. The second in the list is Bradesco. Bradesco is worth $40 billion, which is about the same as New Bank, and is generating revenues 12 times as New Bank, with a return on equity, which is 15%. So you understand that new bank is worth roughly the same order of magnitude, but with a fantastic potential for growth, which is in the stock price. And last but not least, you remember in September 2021, the educational film which was proposed by the Academy was about an Argentinian company whose name is Mercado Libre. Mercado Libre is worth $48 billion. It's not only financial services and banking, but they have only 34 million customers. They are generating profits. They are skyrocketing in terms of growth. And so you understand that between New Bank and Mercado Libre, Itaú and Bradesco are in a situation which is still okay, but not very much comfortable. This is why the oligopoly, which was qualified as Cozy by The Economist is, I would say, a little bit more turbulent those days, which is definitely for the good of the customers. Thank you very much.